You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. Crime and corruption are a way of life in the slums of the future. You fight for every scrap you can get, and if you're lucky enough, maybe scrape together a few extra eddies to spend on something to dull the pain of everyday life. It may sound like a shit existence, and well, it's because it is. Grab your leather jacket, upgrade your implants, and get ready to dive into a world of chrome, neon, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The year is 2077, and Cyberpunk is here. I'm so excited. Was I the only one that had no idea this was dropping today? I actually oh, I had didn't. no idea. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter. I didn't know they were they were planning on doing this. Yeah, like a couple of streamers I follow on Twitter were like, well, I'm delaying the stream until whatever CD Projekt is doing is done. And I was like, what's CD Projekt doing? And... They had this stream counting down for I don't know how long, but launched at one o'clock Eastern time this afternoon. And that's what I spent my lunch break. It was my fucking day off. <laughs> it was my lunch break from doing D&D. <laughs> I actually I saw it. And because I work from home, I brought it up, but I couldn't listen at the time. So I basically was just looking up and, and seeing what was going on while I was working. And then I started watching it after dinner so i literally have not yet finished listening to the whole thing i've listened to about actually about two-thirds of it but i haven't listened to the tail end i've watched it but not listened and it makes actually a big fucking difference when you're hearing some of what they're saying in this video and i know uh joe you were unable to watch it because of content oh, filters okay so you you were able to catch up on it well, like and it was it wasn't so much a content filter it was just, i didn't want to feel like anybody looking over my shoulder while watching this at work. yes because i mean, let's put this out there immediately because it was one of the big contentious points about the game this is a cd project red title anybody who played the witcher should know that there is a an extreme level of mature content that comes with their games well, I mean, it's not even that it's it's CD Projekt Red. It's cyberpunk in yeah, general. Yeah, like you take the two things together and you get a lot of tits, basically. And I mean, it was, and it's not even like it was like, I hate to say that it wasn't a whole lot comparatively, but I mean, I've seen more tits on cable TV than oh, I have in, 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 this, in this bit of gameplay. So, Can I ask something? Because again, sure. like I said, I I still have not finished re-watching it so i'm at the 30 minute mark so there's still seen another... all the nudity that there is to be offered that's okay because i was wondering if i'd maybe miss something okay when joe mentioned this in discord earlier about the potential kind of negative comments about it or whatever and i'd not yet seen that scene i'm sorry but anybody who finds that titillating in any way shape or form has got issues like, there was nothing in that scene that I saw as titillating in any way whatsoever. In fact, it was realistic is what it was. It wasn't showing anything to try to get an arousal. It wasn't no. a, it, it certainly, and this is not body judging in any way, shape or form, but it wasn't depicting what we might quote unquote or what media may quote unquote call the perfect female form, that kind of thing. Again, I don't, I'm not judging. It's just, this was realistic. It was a realistic woman's shape. And, and I know that we've all talked about this over the years with various games or different things like that. We're on the same page about not, not again, using that kind of thing to titillate an audience and not, um, not being misogynistic assholes. And so I know we're all on that same page. And and I think that what that says is that after nearly 10 years now, it proves that like we're we're trying to be those the, the people who speak out against the stupidity. But in that same way, when something comes out that's just realistic and fits with the narrative of what is going on, 
then you got to speak out for that too. Like this was, there was nothing wrong with this in my mind at all, at all. It was realistic. It was not meant to titillate. It was just really driving home the, the, a realism that's not there because it's a futuristic story, but it makes it so gripping that you're like, yeah, I'm fucking there. So well, especially, I, I had no problem with it at all. And especially in the context too, like anybody who's paying attention to it in more than a cursory glance, I mean, they're setting up uh, a very iconic villain or organization from the cyberpunk, cyberpunk tabletop games, which are the scavengers and the scavengers for anybody who doesn't know are body chop shop people. Exactly. That, I so, thought the same thing. Yeah, and, and cyberware are is that's this game's augmentics. Like if you've played Deus Ex, Human like you know, Human Revolution, and Mankind Divided, it's that similar type of thing, but taken to like an nth degree, where like you get everything from combat mods to life mods to prosthetics to replace fallen limbs to fashion mods, and they haven't even touched on that in this video, which I'm hoping that we actually see in the game. Because the idea of going to a nightclub and seeing the different type of augments and cyberware that people have just for the fact of, like, you know, looking good, quote unquote, is also fascinating. But scavengers make their living by cannibalizing people. And so, of course, you're going to find naked fucking body parts. You're going to find a shop of horrors. And like you said, Roger, it's not meant to titillate. It's meant to basically make you feel horror at what you're exactly yeah that's what i felt like when i saw the bodies there because you see both a male and a female body it was it, it was in no way meant to titillate you and again i can't stress this enough if it titillated you you need to do a deep dive search because there's something wrong with you it was not that at all it was it was gripping it was terrorizing like you go in there and you see that and it's like, holy fucking hell and it's because we despite the fact that this is again a future story we understand this reality because it occurs now so the idea of harvesting organs is fucking terrifying at least mm-hmm. again i felt that way and seeing it it brought that out I think, I mean, just the general theme of cyberpunk, whether it was 2020 or 2077, it's just the complete dehumanization and othering of the entire species, except if you have enough money to be something other, um, something other than, you know, the dregs or, you know, uh, you know, the super powerful, like the corp agent. Uh, That's the whole theme of this. I mean, there's like, you know, cyber, was it still called cyber madness? I mean, I just remember it being... Yeah, so cyber menace. Cyber menace or cyber malaria, whatever the hell they called it, but yeah. Yeah, where the more you take away or add to your body in terms of cyberware, you get cyber... Oh, it's cyber psychosis. That's cyber psychosis. Which yeah, makes but, a lot of sense. But you also have the the thing where, like, if you buy cheap wetware, like, you also have the, the idea of that coming into play as well. Like, you buy from the scavengers well that was in somebody else's body and tuned to somebody else's body and you're shoving that into your brain your body your brain yeah it's going to make you a fucked up person yeah and, and just the idea that people are cheap meat is cheap uh and the entire setting of 2077 is people are worthless and that's where you start to do something with so i did not see uh like my screen size was very very small so i must have missed the the nudity scene um i worry about themes of othering but when placed in the context of a game like 2077 it kind of makes it makes sense and it's you can't do the setting without exploring it so well and the, what what was the statement it's cyberpunk without the elements of punk is what basically co- celebrating corporate i forgot what it like corporatocracy essentially at that point yeah. So like you need to have and, I, and and this is one of those times when I will say this, you need to have elements of transhumanism, you need to have elements of sex, drugs and, you know, synthwave pop and you have to have all these things woven together. Otherwise, it's not a cyberpunk story and you can play any other game. And, you know, like somebody I was who knows nothing of cyberpunk knows nothing about any of this uh, made a comment to me that it looked like you know, a slightly more sci-fi rage. And, you know, he had just gotten a couple minutes into the video. And that was a good point. Like, if you take everything that makes cyberpunk out of cyberpunk, 
you basically have every other game that's on the market. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So, no, that's great points. But I also want to point out that, you know, if video games are a visual storytelling medium and art form akin to movies and TV, you can also have nudity in games, not for horror aspects. You can have it as part of sex scenes and romance if it's if it's earned, like if it fits, if it's there's a point for it and not just for pure titillation. Like I think in The Witcher, it felt a little too immature of like, oh, here's a hot woman. Let's have girl to have sex with her. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping they. They I don't want to say tone it down, because, again, this this setting is just rife for all kinds of over the top insanity with that stuff, but. I mean, the only thing or I'll say make, make it make it feel realistic and make it feel earned and not just as a reward for pressing the right button and it cuts. Sure. But I mean, I guess. And the only thing I will say in their defense of The Witcher is that, like, yeah, it was definitely really weird. But in The Witcher, there were like, if you've ever read the books, that's exactly how it is in the books, too. Like, yeah, but that doesn't necessarily make it right either. I'm not saying but that it, makes it right. See, I, I'll go back and, and just to further that point. Uh, agree with another point that you made well everybody is making that certain genres uh, this kind of thing fits and others it is more titillation and it, it's sad that it has to be that way and very clever writers can work on changing that however far too often there are various aspects or various Various ways of telling a story or conveying something graphically or whatever, like in this case here, that scene, that if you slap it in another type of game, another type of story, will come off as just gratuitous. However, whenever we talk about this and we are talking about the stupidity of various things, and I mean, we have literally now done this across games, movies, TV shows, anime, and comic books across various podcasts. It is not to imply that you shouldn't have these type of mature moments in those medium because you should be able to. The problem is, is when you have just that or in the wrong places kind of thing. And unfortunately, that's something that far too many creative people don't understand. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have any at all. You mm -hmm. can't have a, 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 a culture where the notion of bare breasts is seen as just completely wrong. There, there can be no way that this is right because that makes no sense. So it's not calling for a all or nothing kind of thing. It's just understand where it's appropriate. And it's not just the, the genre, the cyberpunk, that makes it all right in my mind. Because you can definitely have, it's rife for the picking for fucking really misogynistic stupidity. But that's not what this was. The scene was right for it. The scene, in fact, I would go so far as to say the scene calls for it. Because like Joe said, this is, this is honest. There's organ harvesting going on. These people are in an ice bath. How ridiculous would it have been if she pulled the body of either the woman or the man and they were wearing a fucking t-shirt, you know, or something, it just doesn't fit. They had to be naked. They had to be in that tub. It So it works. All right. So let's uh, move ahead with the rest of the video at this point, because it was 48 minutes long. And I think we've all made some good points and we'll just end up talking around in circles forever if we need to. So diving right in. The first thing that they showed us was a little bit of character creation. Uh, there's looked to be a decent character customization system from what they showed. Of course, this game is still well uh, away from release. It's going to be in development for at least another year, if not more at this point. So there's a lot more to be added. But I mean, it was it wasn't like full featured like we've seen in some games with like all kinds of crazy sliders. But it seemed good enough that you can make. Uh, pretty much any type of character you, you can come to mind. Let me ask you went, this, because I didn't actually play The Witcher 3. How was the character creation in Witcher 3? There really wasn't any. You because, could pick your haircut. Okay. Yeah, you're you're an established character. Like, that's the one yeah. That's the one problem between, like, 
The Witcher in this. Like Geralt right. was established. Can you die in character creation? Do we have an answer to this? Not <laughs> Marty, Marty. Yeah. Stop fucking talking about life path, okay? Let's it's move gotta on. happen. No, it's gotta happen. <laughs> they did not show anything like it. Uh, they did show off uh, some of the, the RPG statistics. Uh, the usual stuff we've come to expect, uh, strength, agility, constitution, uh, as well as reaction. Uh, what, what was it? Reaction, tech, and cool. So, I mean, I'm probably just going to roll in maxing out cool and see where see where that takes me. <laughs> uh, and also no, no class system. It, it's a fluid dynamic system with no... That I loved. I adored what they said about that. I want more information on that. And I'm sure we'll get that information down the road. Like they were actually really hesitant about showing off this footage because it's still so so uh, new in development, and like they knew because well they're they're aware of how people are that a lot of the discourse around it would be pointing out all the graphical flaws and bugs and. God, I've certainly seen that. People who don't understand the giant text superimposed over the screen in development footage, not final, that actually means something. And like they're comparing it to Red Dead and like, oh no, Red Dead looks, you know, just as, you know, better here. Like, yeah, Red Dead's done. And this is how it works. Like, you get all the features together and then you smooth out the wrinkles. And I would I, I'd say, Red Dead is I'd, better at this yeah, point. exactly. <laughs> I, I would say for a game that is still, uh, not as far along in the development cycle as you know most games that we've seen shown off. This didn't look that bad to me at all. I I will go so far as to say it looked fantastic. Mm -hmm. I, it's the type of game where being a little rough around the edges works in its favor in some aspects. Yeah. Uh, and then going into that, another big sticking point about Cyberpunk, especially as compared to Witcher, was their choice to go with the first-person viewpoint, which, first of all, for a game where you're going to have a lot of shooting combat, first-person just works better. But second of all, just the concept of what you're doing, where you have cybernetic implants in your eyes that give you all these HUD elements and, and whatnot, it just works better from a first-person. Like, yeah, you can do it in third-person. Like, uh, was it like Watch Dogs? But it, it just is more immersive to this futuristic technology if you're actually experiencing it through your cyber eyes they went through so much fucking trouble to try to immerse you in the system by putting in the the rationale why you have a hud why you got <laughs> why you have the bullet count in your gun like that they went through so much trouble to make it a believable fucking cool part of the game why would you not want this yeah, it's it's the only game where waypoint markers on your on your HUD actually make sense. Yes. Well, the bullet count. I keep going back to that. <laughs> the the fact that you have a bullet counter in your HUD makes sense in this game, and it's like bra fucking slow clap. Bravo. That that's wonderful. All right. So the video starts off on this first mission we were discussing, where uh, your character V. Uh, along with in the game and the demo, it was a, a female player. You'll be able to choose, of course, a character creation along with her companion, Jack. Are going after a missing person trying to retrieve them and come to find out, yes, uh, she was kidnapped by the scavengers, a gang of body modification shop shop runners who uh, taking implants and selling them on the black market. So they showed off our, our first little bit of combat, you know, typical shooter type combat nothing crazy uh they showed the first look at the uh the stims uh, they showed off a reflex stim which of course it's a drug and i'm sure there's going to be you know a, a system involving that yeah. down the road because that's again a hallmark of the genre oh yeah uh where you know you take your reflex stim and then you can enter a slow motion mode it's a super video game thing that actually works exactly. in the setting yeah. and the way they've set it up yeah. i love it it's perfect and I uh, found it, it was the same thing for me as that HUD thing. It 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 was consistently reinforcing the opinion of, oh, okay, they know what they're doing. You know, they've got this. Yeah. I I do not. I am even though again, like I said earlier, I'm still not completely done rewatching it a second time. I am. I'm comfortable now. It's like if they don't show a single other thing before this releases, I'm still going to pre-order it. Pretty much. 
So we get to the scene that we were talking about earlier, uh, dragging the naked girl out of the ice bath and actually jacking into her her porch on the back of her head because it's the future. Everybody has one of those things. Uh, yeah. Realizing that, uh, you know, obviously she's alive, not in good medical uh, condition. Her implants naturally tried to call for help, but a virus was uploaded into her system that prevented that from going through. She clears that out, and then there's the amazing little scene of uh, <laughs> the medevac automatically being called for her, complete with drawing the funds out of her bank account as it processes her debit card yep. information. <laughs> because, you know what? The, you know, the paramedics will come get you if you can you pay. pay up front. <laughs> I loved it. So fucking great. Well, between that and the armed guard for the medics, that was <laughs> oh, fucking awesome. That's, and that's a straight nod to the old role-playing game, too, which is why I love it so much, too, because, like, you, as a, as a, for lack of a better term, a runner, an operative, you could have insurance cards, and insurance cards were, you know, silver, gold, or platinum, and that dictated the response time, how much it cost, um, what type of armaments were actually there to greet you, uh, and how quickly they got you out in medical attention. And, like, it was one of those things where, you know, it was a social commentary moment as far as, like, the current state of things in the States at that time. But it was, yeah, that was an incentive for running jobs. Like, here's your platinum card that you can have for one whole month uh, if you do this job for us. And, like, I, I don't have any experience with the actual cyberpunk RPG, but coming from, from the, the Shadowrun perspective... There's a rule book called Bullets and Bandages, which is essentially running the game where the players are the paramedics. Yep. And you're going into these hazardous situations to try and retrieve VIPs before they can bleed out. Oh, yeah. That's a there's a couple of settings of that, I believe, in the old 2020 book. Um, and uh, I also know 2077. So it, it would be a f fun game to play. Mm hmm. All right, so that over, uh, you know, that's the tutorial introduction mission. We uh, cut back to the next morning, uh, V waking up in her apartment. And this is our first real introduction to Night City. And this was the first of many times watching this video. I had to put my hand over my mouth because my jaw was just hanging open because the setting immediately came through with the graphics the music the style the set design just everything immediately in that first bedroom just hammered home how much they've nailed this aesthetic before even setting foot outside i was a hundred percent sold now before before they go I'll, I'll let them talk but just very quickly to point out and this is because of a comment that was made during this video like you said, the setting is unbelievable. And they're trying to make it so that there's not going to be any loading times at all. The entirety of the city as you're walking around. So you can leave your home, quote unquote, and head into the city and everything. And they're trying to make it so that it's completely seamless, no loading times. That's amazing from a an immersion standpoint and it's important in a game like this like when you're talking about how incredible it looks and how accurate it is to what we would expect of that type of game to make it so that you don't have to wait in between loading times when it's when you're changing scenes that's huge in a normal game in a game like this it's just enough to completely take you out of the experience. So not having that means that the moment you sit your ass down to play this game to the moment you get up to leave, presumably if they can pull this off, you're locked in that world. And it's so well done that you're going to be happy that you are. Right. It's And uh, Joe and Marty, feel free to time out. They, they made a point of pointing out the actual artist that was playing on the radio. I would assume that's an in-lore thing for the cyberpunk universe. I think I yeah. missed that, but probably. Johnny, Johnny Silverhand, who was, I believe, if memory serves, in the source book, he was a vet, did his tour, uh, upload, and decided that he's going to be a musician. So he uploaded basically a whole bunch of guitar probe sims into his brain uh discovered that that still wasn't good enough had to become an actual guitar player to be a punk rock star and then 
in 2077, he's kind of sold out, but in 2020, he's uh, trying to not, not like he's a he's a uh, anti corp figure in 2020, but in 2077, I believe he's kind of sort of sold out after the band broke up. Mm, no, he dies in 76. Oh, he dies in 76. Yep. Uh, all right. So was there like a 2030? Like, why do yes. I remember him selling? Okay. So I don't know if he actually sold out. Like my memory is not what it used to be, but Johnny Silverhand was a, is it was a great nod. I got, that's when I got really excited because it's pulling in stuff that I remember. Right. Great attention to detail and really showing that they're using the license for, for more than just a name. They, they care about it just as much as the, the fans and players will. I love how they, they were talking about, uh, you know, gearing up. Of course, it's an RPG. You have, you know, gear with different stats and whatnot, but it also affects your street cred. I love that. Like <laughs> Nobody's going to give you any jobs. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Love it. Thank you. I love that. Well, I mean, and I love it because it's so important. Like Marty, Marty will understand that too. Like your street cred rating was absolutely instrumental in progressing. Like whether you were able to get a good job or no job, whether you, you were forced to sell out and work for a corporation or not, or whether you got stuck becoming one of the scavengers, like it was all dictated by that. It mm -hmm. sounds like they kind of used that mentality and kind of shifted it to a game mentality because it's by having higher street cred, it is going to be unlocking a lot of the side quests and things like that. So in the same way, it unlocks the ability for you to move forward. And what they're talking about too, is it also changes contextual menus and conversations yeah. as well. Because if you have a lot of street cred, that corporate agent will probably be more likely to talk to you in a more respectful manner versus, you know, you can get up and get lick my boot when I tell you it's okay type situation. Yeah, and as we saw throughout this demo, dialogue choices are fucking huge in this game. I mean, everything from, you know. Oh, and they're not static either. Like, no. if you move your, move your point of view, they change. Yeah, I, you could just walk away from somebody who's trying to talk to you and that's a thing you can do. Or, or like you said, like getting different responses based on your, your actual character, skills you have, or just at certain points during discussions, just going with the fuck it, draw a gun option is always there. <laughs> so great. So yeah, V finally steps out of her apartment and this was the second, oh my God, of her walking around Night City and just, it's fucking amazing. Like there's, NPCs goddamn everywhere and, and they talk about how these aren't all just like lifeless filler NPCs they all have things they do they all have daily routines the game has a built-in day night cycle so you know the guy, at the, <laughs> the guy at the noodle shop at 6 p.m is going to be there at 6 p.m every day but if you walk by at 5 30 he might not be there yet because it's an actual programmed path for random passers-by in the street ridiculous that is <laughs> like we keep talking about this, how we want a, a living world to try to inhabit kind of thing. And when you get things like this that are so bloody close, you know, that, that are doing so many things right, that depending on the day, the t depending on the time of day that you go out to do your questing, you're going to have a different experience than somebody's go that's going out several hours later because you're going to bump into different people. Now, mm -hmm. whether that's going to have an impact in uh, side quests or things like that, who knows? I would think that's, ripe for the to the the harvesting right there like it's to to be able to have it so that you only get certain quests when it's nighttime or or early morning it it just makes sense so it makes it a game that's going to be a lot of fun to be playing because you're never quite sure what's going to happen because it's not just impacted on your choices but also just the fucking time of the day in the game mhm mm as things go forward, uh, V and Jack get a job for a local crime boss. I didn't catch his name uh, in my notes. But, uh, yeah, he's a guy. <laughs> uh, he he wants a, a certain piece of hardware that uh, a rival gang, the Maelstrom, uh, possesses. And as he says, yeah, he could buy it himself, but they don't really like him. They'll jack up the price. Better just send somebody to do it for him. Uh, it's a piece of stolen military tech. So 
gathering intel, uh, you have the option to call up yeah, a representative of the military corporate institution that designed it and make a deal with them see if they can help you out in, in the mission or maybe get some extra credits out of it possibly end up working for them and telling the crime boss to go fuck himself like there's numerous ways this mission could have gone uh beyond what we saw here but it just seeing again this is functionally like the second mission of the game as near as we can tell and it's already opening up a wealth of possibilities I love that the narrator was saying, you might be tempted to reach for the gun, but no. <laughs> and I think that's because every person watching this was thinking, I'm going to select reach for the fucking gun. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm reaching for the, I'm shooting all their kneecaps. <laughs> oh, man. Right. So before she heads out uh, on the actual job, pays a visit to the Ripper Dock, the cyberware vendor a great scene of getting her eye replaced from the perspective of the eye mid surgery. Fucking loved it. Well, that's uh, going back to what I was saying. That's the, the implementation of the HUD system mm -hmm. and the, the hand thing so that she knows how many bullets she has. The, that was really fucking awesome. Like we've seen uh, various games try to, explain why you have a HUD. Uh, one of my favorites was the Borderlands one because it was just fun and silly and it kind of, yeah. you could roll with it and I liked it. But it's one of those things that's hard to explain in a game why you have a fucking HUD. And most people don't care. Well, nobody cares at a certain point, but there's some people like us who really like the lore and things like that, that if you toss us that bone to show us that you, you understand this is important, we will fucking love you forever. <laughs> like You've got our respect there. Right. And then we get to the next uh, great moment of getting into the car. This badass, souped up hot rod. And cruising around the city and realizing that free roam is a much bigger connotation than we originally anticipated. And again, just jaw agape at the sheer scale and beauty of this world. Just driving around, looking at the skylines, all the shit going on. Like, oh, Jesus, it's... <laughs> Sometimes words just escape you. <laughs> I'm going to need to see how the controls are for the driving around before mm -hmm. I'm really that enthusiastic. I, I was happy to see that there's an option for third-person driving because I don't like right. third-person driving. I, I can go either way. Um, it was funny because I was, again, like I said earlier, I, was, I had it up muted while I was working and just kind of looking up periodically. So, of course, being me, when the car stuff come up, I was like, oh, Look at this. This looks fucking awesome. And then when she was leaning out and shooting, though, I was going, oh, that could be really, really bad. And it wasn't until I was watching with the sound that I saw, oh, no, it's somebody else is grabbing the wheel. The passenger is grabbing the wheel and you're just going out and shooting. At that point, I was going, oh, well, in that case, it's fucking fantastic. Because at that point, it shifts from being a, a driving simulator to a roller coaster simulator. Yeah, it's, a, where, it's a rail shooter. Yeah, okay. you're exactly. And I'm like, I'm on board for that. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> and as they said, this wasn't a scripted event. This was a random encounter that you ran into while prowling the streets based on things you've done before. First mission, you were fucking with uh, the scavengers. Well, here you are on your way to the next mission. The scavengers come calling. And they more layers to this, to all the decisions you're going to be making that, you know what? <laughs> you might not even be safe if you're just going out for ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's fucking cool, though. In a game where they're putting a street cred element, then there has to be an em an element of risk when you are out on the street of something going horribly wrong. So the fact that that's being inserted periodically, I I love that. And that ties all back in with the street cred. If if your entire purpose as a player, well, as a character, is to become as notable as possible well that notoriety is going to come with increased visibility yeah, and yeah. The, the you're going to start making stronger and stronger enemies it's it's a fantastic way to go about it yeah 
So we get to uh, what we were talking about before, where you meet up with the uh, the Millcorp representative, and yeah, they they beat you up, they push you down, and this is the dialogue you're talking about, where you may be tempted to get the gun. But more interesting to this is, you know, as as they're holding you down, uh, one of the security guards actually uh, jacks into your slot and essentially is reading your biometrics and using that as a lie detector. So you know that you can't lie to these people while you're in the uh, in the dialogue, I would assume there's like skills and stats and stuff you can do to change that in the future. But that puts such a different spin on just this one little interaction of, okay, like you can't bullshit your way out of this necessarily. It, it's, it's something I haven't seen before in a dialogue system. Okay. I'm being quiet. Cause I'm trying to give them a chance, but if they're not going to say something, <laughs> I fucking will. <laughs> I, again, here is a, it's not it's not like it's a new idea, but they're innovating enough that they're they're making a very um, our link to the game is the choices that we are making. So as interesting as you can make that, the the more invested that we will feel in your game. It's the same as the elements that are the shooter elements where you're out. Well, you want to make fucking certain that those are nailed right down so that we feel as connected as we can to your game so in this regard when you are interacting with any of these these npcs the that that interaction that interaction between them and the elements that you are allowed to choose from makes a massive difference in your not just immersion in the game but also Kind of your investment in the game because you're at that point going to decide, okay, I need to really work on these aspects of my character traits or personality traits or skill traits or whatever the fuck they're calling it kind of thing so that I can unlock more of these kind of dialogue options because we know having played enough games that, you know, it's unlocking those options that is potentially going to unlock really rewarding scenes so it's worth putting the time to unlock them so the fact that they understand that and are putting this game this in the game in a meaningful meaningful way again reinforces my faith in their ability to put this out in a really like put out exactly what it is that we hope they're going to Mm -hmm. and beyond that like when you get there and you're scoping out the scene before you even uh, approach the woman like it, it's it's again ties in with the uh, tabletop aspect of preparing for the mission like you can do your recon you can you can look at it and go you know what this doesn't feel right and just fuck off and skip the interaction entirely that's an option that you have but by playing it out they also unlocked the potential for a non-violent uh, solution didn't quite work out as the video plays out but again there, there's so many aspects to this beyond just charging in head first this is it, it it's this it's the same as the fallout concept just because it's a first person perspective with a lot of guns doesn't mean it's a shooter first and foremost this game just like fallout are rpgs yes yeah. guns and yeah, yeah. shooting are the primary combat resolution mechanic in the game but they are far far from the only option available to you and one thing that i think nobody's really touched on yet and i think is really important that is Again, it's this perfect throwback to the tabletop while keeping the game relevant for the current audience is your connections matter too and your setup for walking into a situation matters. Like the very first quest, the very first mission you're given where you go to save that that woman who's who her locator has gone dark, you don't break down the door. You have a net runner that does that for you, somebody you hooked up with somebody who's normally not with you. So if you have the ability to hire on, you know, net runners, deckers, things like that, drones, riggers, like if you have the ability to reach out for those people to set up for missions, that adds a whole other layer of complexity and preparation for players, which I think is really, really cool. Cause imagine trying to plan for every contingence you can and calling in your favors and, you know, spending your credits and getting people that are mercenaries, essentially, just like you are, 
to help you out. You know, you pay for their services and it changes the way that entire encounter, like it interacts with you. Like, in- dude, if you're talking about exactly what I just imagined as you were saying that, that's fucking brilliant. Like, but- if it's if it's going to allow us that level of fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? It, because we've had the uh, these, I don't want to say rudimentary, but I'm going to in comparison to what this may be, but these rudimentary systems of, of a team aspect of, of, of your, your buddies, your friends, like in mass effect or whatever that you can call upon to do different things. Again, we saw the same kind of thing again, very rudimentary in star Wars, the old Republic, the MMO. So there's, there's these kind of systems in play already of a team base that you can tap when you you need them for something but it's never it's never done in such a way that it feels organic in the world whereas what you're describing is you play the game you make friends what how you treated people in the the decisions that you have made and the street street cred that you have and whatnot will dictate whether or not you can call on this guy that you dealt with a couple of jobs ago and be able to rely on him or not and to essentially hire him for something else. That's a level of that team mechanic, again, that Mass Effect kind of team mechanic that is next fucking gen level team mechanics. Like, if they can pull that off, that's brilliant. And, and they haven't said anything about this, so I, I'm I'm spitballing based off of what I saw from the gameplay, right? And so I noticed that their Netrunner was there for that first mission, but that Netrunner wasn't there for anything else that happened in that video. And yeah. so that's obviously, I mean, it's not your partner because your partner's with you. But it's, I find that intriguing, and I'm wondering if they're going to do that because in the tabletop, you could hire NPCs. You could do that, and it was based off of your st- street cred that gave you the, you know, amount of... Uh, basically the pool that you could choose NPCs from and then you had to pay them. And that was a whole concept that like, yeah, your, your party could be two people and you may be going into a mission where you're expecting a firefight. So hiring a couple street samurai to sort of like watch your six from a long distance sniper perch wasn't out of the, like it wasn't out of the realm of possibilities. And if I want them to do that here and I want this, something like that to be here because the idea that your encounters can be completely changed. Like there's several encounters that they showcase where there's drones in use. Yeah. Well, if you have oh, a net, I got real excited once I saw the drone. <laughs> I know you did, <laughs> but imagine a world in which you hire like those drones don't become a problem because you hire a rigger or you hire a net runner to counter hack those drones. So that's an element of the, the, you know, the encounter that just is completely not something you have to worry about. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting is even with your partner, and I don't know if I missed this because I, I, I only watched through this once. I don't see you giving commands to your partner. He didn't seem like he did a whole lot. Oh, no. <laughs> really? The car? Well, yes. But so, I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, once once the run went bad and bullets started flying, I didn't see too much impact from him. But I'm curious how much of it is just going to be AI where he if he's with you. Mm hmm. Because, like, with the encounter with the corporate agent, you leave him back at the car. I'm going to go and take a, uh, take a contact by myself. If I'm not back in X amount of time, you know, come find me. Like, or, yes, let's go in together, and does that change the encounter type? Like, those are the types of things that I'm really curious for. And like I said, the one time I did see him in combat, the one time where they were both together, was him doing a whole bunch of shit like flipping over a car and using it as a fucking shield That's right yeah 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 without being commanded to do so there was no prompts on the screen there was no audio cue from her saying hey you know i can't remember his name um but I'm hey sure it was jack or jackie might be um, but hey, go that's what get I've been calling him that. the entire episode, so that's his fucking name now, sure, <laughs> but I, I love that because it's like I didn't it's not that it was bad but I am terrible in first person shooters of managing other people besides myself. Mm-hmm. So if you give me the ability to only worry about my fucking self, 
and the shit that I, I set up beforehand or the partner that I have with me does whatever they need to do on their own without my intervention, fuck yeah. Well, the thing is, is that you really shouldn't have to. And that speaking is someone who in games where you are given a lot of control, I, I do actually take it and I will micromanage my teammate. And it's very much that mentality of the, uh, a wow hunter back in the day, especially when you used to be able to do a ton of shit with your pet, if you were reasonably good at it, then yeah, I'll do it. But I much prefer when a game understands, especially an RPG understands that, in real life, I wouldn't be barking orders at somebody of what to do. I would expect that they know what they're mm -hmm. fucking doing and they're just going to do it. And we have the same goal. So when they do that right, I love that. Mm -hmm. All of this talk regarding the amazing system that they're doing and maybe squad ba a better squad based AI. I'm just a little bit worried um, and about the idea that the world of 2077 is incredibly dangerous. And so how are you, I mean, and you can do cool shit at every level, but what we get to see at the end of this, I know we're coming to it, but like, how are they going to make us feel awesome early on? Even if we don't have a ton of points and cool, it's just, I, I loathe the idea of um, level one in mass effect, the original game where it's, you've got your assault rifle, you got your squad and there are these things that blow up that could kill you. Um, and they're like alien balloons and it's kind of boring. Um, I want to like to go from that to like where you've got people that have blades in their cybernetic arms and they're all, you know, uh, what weared out. Uh, it's just a, how to balance the beginning player in this, in a wide open world. That's, that's really interesting. And I just hope it's executed well, because it can also see being like no fun for a variety of reasons, you know? Well, I think at, at the end of the day, when your core concept, even when you're a level one character, is you're still survive. a badass partial cyborg with yeah. a bunch of really cool yeah. guns. And even if the gameplay early on is just, yeah, duck and cover, shoot. I, I think based on the strength of the aesthetic and the concept, that can carry it through. Well, I mean, Deus Ex is a great example of a game that very much starts you off at that bottom rung. And it's very much take cover and take your shots when you can and try to take your stealth takedowns. But as you gear up and as you get points to spend in different abilities, you can do wacky banana bullshit and change the way you play that game. And that's the reward for the players. Dishonored is another great example of that, where yes, you have abilities and powers when you first start, but they're nowhere near what you gain <laughs> as you progress <laughs> the game and level up. And you can do really fucking wacky shit and so the the repetitive i don't want to say repetitive but the the treadmill of progression for your character in this game is getting to those points where yeah you may start out as like you have very little wetware and you have a couple big guns which is everybody who's ever started in a cyberpunk or shadow run game ever to the objective in the first few missions is just fucking survive and get exactly paid. yeah Sur survive and make a deal good enough that you don't get fucked and then as you survive and as you get those credits then you go back to your your mega building and you got that guy that's three stalls down from you that happens to be really good with combat wetware and can give you some nerve upgrades but it's going to cost you so you can go ahead and spend some money on that next thing you know you're spider monkeying up fucking walls now like it, the idea for divergent gameplay based off of players preferences and actions is enough to make anything in this game fun for almost anybody as long as they allow you to do it and if they take their time and progress through and let it become something that is that i don't think we're going to have that problem that you that you think we're going to have or or i shouldn't say think that you're hoping that we don't have i don't think it's even going to be on the table because again the first couple of missions sure they may be very straightforward and it may be very like the very first mission may be the same for everybody and you know you but your goal is to survive and get the fuck through it but then things change because now you've got money and now you've got experience and that changes everything and like they said the whole world is on a day night cycle so you can go anywhere at any point in time and you might find something different and or you might have a different idea of how to traverse through the game 
me, I know I'm probably going to be mostly a nighttime operative because that's the way I roll. Um, that's going to be a different gameplay than my buddy who he's so entranced with the idea of having a daytime version of the city to play around with that he's probably going to do a lot more in that because we've never had that before. We've that's, never had that. That's awesome option. though. That's, that's freaking awesome that you have that choice. Exactly. But, and, and that's going to change the way he plays the game and experiences those missions versus the way that I do as well. Yeah. Nighttime's you know? when all the cool clubs are open. Why would I want to be working then? Exactly. Yeah. yeah no, no, that's a good point. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying like, it's one of those things where if they stick to what they're saying, and I don't have any reason to believe that they won't based off the pedigree of the games that I've seen them already produce and the scale of those games, especially the last Witcher game. I totally see this being exactly what they're promising. I think that's just my uh, tabletop preference or my tabletop experience getting the better of me when it comes to video games. But I, uh, yeah, I've not played a CD Projekt Red uh, title, uh, but I will be getting this one. I'll be pre-ordering it, you know like a like a maroon very soon all right so moving forward before we get to the badass gameplay at the end i just want to take a second to touch on the second gang that we come across here the maelstrom a group of as they say in the game psycho borgs people who have taken cybernetic body modification beyond the extreme and holy shit these guys were fucking awesome (laughs) the amount of cyber body horror that was going on with this gang that made them incredibly repulsive, but still pretty badass at the same time. It was like it was like the Reavers from X Men is how I saw these guys. Yes, uh, yeah. So to give you some background on them, so that you guys have context in the tabletop game, uh, Maelstrom is the single most violent and dangerous gang in Night City. Um, they are what are called a booster gang, and what a booster gang is, they make scavengers look like kittens. Um, their entire purpose is combat for the sake of combat. Like to them, uh, I believe that the book once referred to their hierarchy and their view of Night City as one giant game of King of the Hill. Like it is ridiculous. And they're they're one of those things where like you encounter them, it's a fucking fight. Like they if they even think you're somewhat combat augmented, they're going to want to puff their chest and fucking go into battle with you. And these are the stereotypical leather spikes, weird hairstyle, uh, tattoos and and piercings in really odd places. Uh, You know, I remember one of the NPCs in the book had like exposed muscles, like skin ripped away and kept off so he could show how big his fucking muscles were. Like, they're fucking ridiculous. And they make great goddamn villains <laughs> because, of course, the run goes bad, as it always does, and you got to fight your way out of their base. This is where they straight up in the demo just say, for the sake of demonstration, we're going to unlock some high-level abilities and show you what you can really do in this game. And I spent the last 10 minutes of this video with the biggest damn smile on my face because it was glorious. <laughs> I Starting off with... Uh, ricocheting bullets uh being able to to uh map out in your in your cybernetic uh eyes the ability to to ping your bullets around corners and hit enemies behind cover fucking great i loved it uh the the smart gun uplinks where you can just fire in the general direction of your enemy and if you're locked on with your with your uh sensors the bullets will just know where to go that's perfect it's exactly smart what i've bullets. yeah exactly what i've come across with in shadowrun well, that's where the uh, corner gun came from. Yeah. Uh, they they touched a bit on how, like, weapon customization is a thing. You want to be able to fire around corners with all your guns? Have fun. You can do that. Hey, you got to pay for it. You got to get the right parts. But something you can work towards if you want to be a, a real uh, combat-focused character. The part where she stealth uh, took down the one gang member and then forcibly hacked into the system through his brain and gained control over all the connected systems in the base (laughs) yeah that was my holy shit moment that's when in discord i was like holy shit because that that is something that i thought about being able to do in a tabletop game and never got around to doing just because uh i've attempted it several times right yeah this is like (laughs) there's a lot there's a lot to unpack with that type of a power but that was also like 
I totally want to do that. Yeah. And to the point where upon uh, her being successful, she was able to remotely mess with the cyberware of the other gang members. Uh, like, oh, no, your your uplink to your gun doesn't work anymore. So when you try to shoot me, nothing's going to happen. Combined with then showing off the fucking Mantis Blades. Crazy ass insect-like cybernetic claws sticking out of your forearms to run along walls and ceilings and stealth assassinate people. They, they, they just took the fucking limiter off in this game and it, oh. I, after watching this, I don't know what I want to do because literally everything looked awesome. See, now, what intrigued me about those the, the blades out of the forearms is I remember my books and I went and I found my blood and chrome book and I looked and that is the single most expensive augment in that game from back in 20 for 2020. Wow. And we're talking like, not just like, Oh, maybe it's like a million creds or anything like that. No, it was something stupid, like 50 million to have a, a set of it that wouldn't drive you into a murderous rampage when you activated them because of how it had to splay your arms apart. And the fact that she's got this, that this character has it, is fucking mind-blowing to me because there's something here, there's something in between that we haven't found yet or they haven't told us yet, and I fucking need to know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess when they said high-level gameplay, they weren't fucking around. It's, it, yeah. Yep, and of course, culminating with the big boss battle where the gang leader gets into a literal exoskeleton suit with a giant gun and a shield that blocks bullets automatically from whatever direction you throw them at. And this is where the as many crazy, ridiculous abilities that you have, it's still going to come down to your tactics and your knowledge, being able to find the weak spot on the enemies, being able to 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 get into a position to exploit it. There's still you're ne you're never going to be able to just jump the power curve, it seems. It doesn't matter how strong you are if you're not smart about how you use that strength, because at the runner level, you're still just an insignificant asshole if you're going up against the wrong corp or gang. So, oh, but I mean, the, the perfect quote is right there at the end. See, I fucked with your chip and then you went and fucked with somebody else. And then, you know, <laughs> and then at, at the beginning, somebody fucked with us and then somebody <laughs> fucked with the corp. So at the end, the only one that gets whatever they want is the corp. And it was like it was the perfect like encapsulation of what it's like to be an operative. And you can cyberpunk. you can talk as much shit as you want, but your only option is to just get in your car and drive away. <laughs> well, especially when it's like, well, we're going to work together again, and your two options are no fucking way or I need to think about it. <laughs> uh, this 48 minutes of sheer bliss. I'm so glad they decided to release this to the public. And oh my goodness. I... I don't think it's possible for me to be any more hyped for any game than I am for this right now, because this scratched every single itch I have for gameplay, design, RPG elements, setting, atmosphere, it, you name it. This game, from what we saw here, nails every single aspect perfectly. I've said it a few times on this podcast if any game universe could possibly take me away from world of warcraft permanently it would be a game set in cyberpunk or shadowrun that is done so incredibly well and does so much justice to that setting that i feel like i am home i am dangerously close to feeling like i'm home here yeah if this was an mmo and was persistent oh, then there would be no question but, in my mind but you didn't hear that there's rumors about gamescom leaks about multiplayer with this as well no yep. yeah <laughs> there's also a katana that we didn't see either in this one or the previous one so true but mono katanas are a thing they're confirmed so yes i just imagine running around fucking night city with you you yahoos as my party I'm down. I am so down. All right. Well, then any parting thoughts on that? Let's start with you, Marty. Man, um, 
So I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really, we don't, I don't think we really have time. I've got some concerns about some of the dialogue, not the cursing, um, but some other uh, aspects I'm, of I'm going to stop you right there because, okay. again, as I said, I, I'm only 30 minutes listening to what's going on. And Joe had mentioned that in the Discord that people were whining about the, the, the swearing. I think I've heard maybe three fucks so far maybe that doesn't bother me what's yeah like there i haven't heard anything yet that has been so like pushing the the envelope that i i'd be offended in the maelstrom fight there was uh the 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 uh, cyborgs were dropping the uh we're saying cunt left and right and Mm -hmm. you're playing a female character and that like i get it it's the setting it's also like that is such a loaded word uh, for me. Like, this is like, whoa, I, I, that is one thing that was like, I get it. But like, if my, if I was in a tabletop game, you know, playing with my buddies, like, first of all, the, the guy who runs our games wouldn't be tossing that word out. They would just like leave it to your imagination. But that just. Yeah, but that's exactly yeah. it. That you would never expect that in a tabletop setting. But if you are put into a setting like this, a game setting where the NPCs are going to speak appropriate to what they would say, then again, as and it, I to be very fucking clear here, I do not use that term a lot. And I know that, like in Ireland, it's a endearing kind of friend term oh yeah here it has a way different connotation and i it's not something that i i ever use even if i'm really fucking pissed off at someone especially a woman i'm because it's typically used against women i don't put in this setting because it's the character saying it and it's not being used as a it's not used against women it's a reflection of men's misogynistic behavior towards them is how i take it yeah like if if the old woman on the street was saying that i'd be offended but the fact that it's maelstrom who a full third of their members suffer from cyber psychosis like yeah i'm i mean i can kind of get it i get where you're coming from i totally do but to me that is part of the whole and I hate to say it like this, but that's part of the punk aspect as well. It's using colorful language like that all the time because it's a way to fly in the face of authority. Like that's, that's a whole, the whole aspect of it. And, and like, I'm not going to take away from anybody who's going to be uncomfortable with it. Cause I, I totally understand it. I get it. Um, but unfortunately with the setting, it fits and it's something that you're probably going to encounter and I'm also going to be very curious as your street cred goes up, how that changes with you around people. Because if they, if they fear you, they may swear at you a whole lot less. I think the big thing to keep in mind here is the sample size. We, yeah. We've seen very little of this game, but that's not just to, to give them the automatic pass of, well, it's going to be different later on. We don't know. It, it's something that we have to wait for the final product sure. to see if it's going to reach Arkham City levels where throughout the entire game, literally the only word that was ever directed at Catwoman by an NPC was bitch. So that wears because at best incredibly lazy, at if not misogynistic. So I'm not giving them a pass, but I'm also not condemning them based on a 48 minute video of a hundred hours worth of gameplay. Yeah, there's this is something that like it's also the first time I've seen it, but it's something that definitely like in addition to the mantis blades, which I know from the setting, like that was the other thing that just pulled me like, holy shit. Um, Cause I never played Arkham. I don't know how bad the dialogue got there. I've heard from people who stopped playing it because it was, it was that bad, but that is my one thing that I'm like, this is something that I need to, I need to stew about and think about a little bit more. If you stop playing Arkham because of the language, you, sorry, Pretty Pony is calling your name. There's, there's, if you are offended by Arkham, then your standards are, you're easily offended. Let's put it that way. Like, and again, though, it, it, what we're seeing in this year, to go back to Cyberpunk, none of that language is, none of that language I feel is being used to offend. 
the language is being used to reflect what is there. And it's it goes right back to the nudity scene where the nudity is is not there to titillate. The nudity is there to fulfill what needs to be done in that scene in terms of how it's supposed to look and play out. And that's how the dialogue plays out to me. It's it's it it's the difference between you as the character having the option to use that term versus the asshole in the bar using that kind of language. All right, with that, we, you know what? We, we actually were going to talk about other games tonight, but it's we've hit our mark. In an hour. So, yeah, we are actually going to call it a wrap. Thank you very much for joining us. Of course, you can find the show notes at For The Lore. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and on Twitter at For The Lore. Individually, Joe is loaders at Jay Vince and Simodian, and Marty is Officer Gleason. And with that, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.